0: Welcome to the Honest Business Podcast. This is the show for ambitious, value-driven business owners who are actively building a business that works for them. Hi, I'm Mae James, and I'm here to make scaling your business easier and more rewarding than ever. Each week, we will dive into simple, sustainable strategy and pragmatic leadership discussion to support you as you take imperfect action on your entrepreneurial journey. If you want to stay ahead, exceed your growth goals and have a purposeful, thriving business, then keep on listening. Hello and welcome back to the Honest Business Podcast. I hope you are very well. Great episode today. I already know it's going to be a great episode. <laughs> this is it's something that we don't. I don't talk a lot on, but it's a really key piece of the puzzle for a lot of businesses and brands in 2023. And as we kind of move forward from that, and I think it's a really interesting conversation to connect with because it will join some of the dots together in other things that you're working on. So, as per the title of this video, today, this is a Q&A of five questions that I have either been asked, have had conversations with people, or come up when I'm talking to people about their scaling plans, about their growth plans, about what they're doing in their business. Now, that situation is all kind of, or the topic, I should say, maybe, is all around brand and brand evolution. And some of it is going to touch on you know how to create a luxury brand, but a lot of it is around Brandon and what role that brand has to play in a wider context of your business as you scale. So, I'm going to dive straight into this. What I am going to preference this by saying is if you listen to this podcast every week, then you will know that I am not. Uh, a brand and expert that is not what I do (laughs) I don't necessarily brand businesses in the sense of I don't create visual identities for people that is not my jam however and that's why what I'm speaking on today is from a very strategic perspective but what does happen in my work and what a lot of it does come around to is the strategy behind a brand and how do we build on that so often I'm not doing the kind of um creation from the ground up for like people who are starting a business but often people are going to come to me and they have some kind of brand in place and some of my work does kind of center around um how do we improve the brand do we change the brand does it need a rebrand how do we go about that and often i kind of am the first port of call for people before they go and see someone about their brand and so i come at this from a very strategic perspective a very much encompassing a kind of collective synergetic experience of how this all plays into other functions of your business versus a perspective that you might hear um from someone who's a more technical you know is actual branding professional um now obviously there's pros and cons to that i'm not saying that my opinion is is above theirs at all you know they are the experts in the sense of you know the whole package and the visual identity and how that kind of connects with your strategy so i'm um, please do not take this as me saying only listen to me and don't listen to anyone else because that's completely not true but I think there is a gap of information out there about this strategic element and it's something that I talk to people a lot and so I thought actually let's have this conversation because it might help someone listen to the podcast and yeah it's just a different way of looking at it potentially that might help you to if you're someone who struggles with brand as a concept because I know a lot of us do and I did for a long time didn't fully understand the relationship then how You know how it affects other things. I think everyone, you know, you might be thinking I'm going to start talking about certain aspects of your business that I'm not, and I'm going to talk about something else. And you might be like, "Oh, right, okay, this is interesting. That wasn't what I was thinking about." Um, You know, I'm look at brand in relation to hiring and team and a whole host of other things, Um, and that is why I'm I'm having this conversation today because I, I think it's very powerful in the sense of let's just take a step back and really zoom out and look at it from a different lens potentially. And if you are wanting to rebrand your business or you need a brand in the first place, I have an amazing collection of incredible professionals who this is their gig and this is their expertise um, who can support you. So if you're someone who's looking for that and you like really want a good recommendation or you want someone who's an absolute pro at that, reach out to me. Find me on Instagram, that's the best option, at may.james underscore and I will connect you up. And if you tell me about your business and things, I can find you like because I've got a real playbook of different people, um, I can connect you to someone who is like the best person um, in terms of my network of who I think would be amazing for you, because I have some incredible brand and professionals, market and professionals, like people are so good at um, in terms of executing on this and actually creating and bringing to life, maybe what your vision looks like. So we've got five questions, and we can go into them. So number one is about how important is brand at the point in which you are scaling? This is such a good question and is so key to kind of reflect on and to think about. So as I mentioned before, this conversation is not necessarily about, it's not really for people who you haven't got a brand and you're starting with, you know, you want to create a brand. This is for people who, or I should say business is probably a better term. So this is for people who have a business. You might be making six figures a year. You might be making seven figures a year. That you are you're in operation. Yeah, you've got something going on. You've got clients. You've got customers. Something is happening. What then happens is you might be in a position where you're like, right, I'm ready to scale. I'm going to do this. Like, let's let's scale. Let's grow this. Now, whether that's you want to double it, triple it, ten exit, twenty exit, who knows. But thinking about okay. We have this brand as it is. Now, for some of you, that means you've got a really good brand, you've got a really complex brand. Some of you will have a really kind of solid visual identity and solid strategic understanding. Some people will not. And thinking about, okay, well, how much, how important is that when you're scaling? I would say it is absolutely critical and crucial as part of a wider strategy. Now, is there a difference between putting all of your eggs in one basket and thinking that your brand is literally going to scale your business for you. Yes, and that is a trap that so many people fall into. I do not agree with that. I do not buy into it. I don't think there's any point in you spending 20 grand or 10 grand on a rebrand or a brand if you have got no strategic direction of what everything else is going on, because it is completely pointless, right? And this is why I often think, you can get to a certain level of business without necessarily having the most shit-hot, amazing, crazy brand because it is much more powerful, I'd argue, if you can get a lot of the cogs turning, make some things, proof of concept, MVP, get a load of stuff going, great, and then you have a really clear direction for that whoever you're hiring can really support you at a deeper level because I have a lot of empathy and kind of compassion for the amazing branding professionals that I know and work with who are sometimes trying to provide results to people who you know the person can't communicate what they want they don't know what they want the business is in a process of change and they can't kind of it it makes people's jobs impossible if you do not know what you want and that's not me saying you should go to them having an idea of I want it to look like this and that because that's also their worst nightmare (laughs) but I'm talking about having an understanding of from a strategic perspective this is what we sell this is what we do this is who it's for blah blah blah, blah. this is our plan this is where we want to go this is the market we're in like having that real clarity then we'll make sure that the money you spend on your brand is way more p- impactful it's a better experience for them it's a better experience for you you will have a longer lasting brand but when we come back to the question of how important is brand at the point in which you are scaling for most people i'd say 80 percent of industries, 75%, 80%, it is really, really critical. And it is the thing that is really going to help you to stabilise in a market and really kind of cement your positioning, which is another key issue. Because in 2023, positioning is the item that is people are struggling with. People are not quite grasping the concept of, if you get your positioning right, you will therefore have a much easier time attracting clients, keeping clients, converting them, keeping them happy, retaining them. The positioning issue is, is kind of something that has been going on since COVID started, obviously it's before then, but in terms of it being a mul- like across the board. When the pandemic hit, that was something that really happened and was kind of difficult, but then it continued to kind of transpire and now is a real issue where we've got people positioned in the wrong part of the market and then we've also got people positioned in a piece of the pie that doesn't really work for what they're wanting to achieve. So they kind of want a goal and then their brand is positioned not necessarily linked to where they're going. In terms of, I'm going to go into the episode about how and what that looks like when you're scaling and, and why it's important, but just to kind of surface level talk about that, if you think about it, when you're scaling you ultimately are going for volume of some degree. Now, that's either volume of a person's budget. If you're selling high ticket and actually you don't need tens of thousands of customers, you're normally going for a high percentage of someone's budget, of someone's earnings, of somebody's take home. Like there's some kind of way, if you're selling high ticket, it's some sort of majority percentage to some degree, potentially. Obviously, if you're working with a business who has a budget of you know, 10 million and your thing is fifty grand, then arguably it's it's not. But for most people who are listening to this, you are either going for volume, as in terms of you need loads of sales, you need thousands, tens of thousands, millions of customers, or you're going for a smaller amount of customers, but you need a much bigger market share of their specific investment. So for example, like for me, that kind of is me in terms of the business of May James. Um I don't work with thousands and thousands of people. But actually, the people that choose to work with me one on one, it is kind of an investment of their, if you want to look at it, of money they invest in their business, it's going to be somewhere between sort of 3% to about potentially 50, 60, 70, sometimes 8%, depends on where they're at. But most people, it's going to be down at the three to kind of 45%. Dependent on what they buy, obviously. That's, I refrain from normally saying those sort of figures because it's, it's so dependent on the business and the industry and what they're doing and etc. the size that they're at. But you have to first identify which of those of the coin, which side of the coin are you on with that? Is it volume or is it kind of volume in terms of a specific individual? And then you need to really clearly understand what that means for the two pieces of the coin because depending on which of those you're going after means that your brand and your strategic direction of the brand, I would argue, needs to be different. Now, some people will turn around and say it doesn't need to be, and that's where we kind of to and fro, because for me, it's about once you get clear on that, you can then really create a brand that makes sense. And where this falls down is where I see people who are having brands made, and they create these amazing visual identities, and they create this brand story, but it isn't in alignment with how does their scaling look like, what does that mean for them? Because, you know, for you to scale a business, you can scale a business in about 100 different ways for each specific business. Some people slightly less, but most people there's like umpteen different ways. What kind of happens is it's like, right, use brand as a tool to help you. It is a tool. It's an asset. Your brand is such a huge asset in your business. It is something that is put into a business valuation. It is key to your business DNA. However, if that doesn't make sense to how you're going to scale, there's then just this huge gap. (laughs) And so people then will come to me and say, I've spent this money. We've had this rebrand and the brand looks great, right? It's not that someone has done a bad job. It's not that the marketing agency or the branding professional has done a bad job. They haven't. They've done an amazing job, but it might not be specific to what the business is trying to do longer term. Now, that's for a whole host of reasons, right? And that's not about... You shouldn't then go blame and game of whose fault is that? Is that the client's fault? Is that the professional's fault? It's it's probably nobody's fault in reality. But if someone like me can come in and be like, I can see it straight away. Sometimes it, it takes a bit of digging, but often I can see it and there's a, this like disconnect. How that shows up from a visual perspective in terms of how do you notice know that yourself... What I would say is a lot of the time, if you, it can come across as quite corporate looking or it can come across as very um, consumer driven. So, when I talk about consumer driven visual brands, some of you will know what I mean by that and others will be like, what are you talking about? It has this kind of tainted glass on it, I call it, where it just looks like they're going for mass market, which again, we've said before, mass market is not a bad thing. Mass market is not. Bad. That is a good brand strategy if that's your strategy. But what happens is sometimes that's the brand that's created. But then what they're actually going for from a scaling perspective is that idea we talked about earlier of this depth of someone's budget. Those two do not stick together. They don't gel. It is it impossible to sell? No, of course not. You can sell anything with any brand. I'd argue, right? So it's not that it's a disaster, but it's just about those two don't specifically personally for me fit together and when we look at how you know when i come into the piece about how do we optimize sales and how do we reduce lead time and how do we kind of make the most out of people's um lead acquisition costs the brand plays a huge part of that and if that is not 100% right or even it doesn't have to be 100% to be honest it can be 80% there <laughs> it's fine um you're never going to get it at 100% then that really makes a difference and again i just want to reiterate This is not something that you can necessarily see by saying this looks like a good brand and this doesn't, because it's not about that. Visually, it can look fantastic. It's about what does it mean for the person who is the ideal client and who wants to buy from you? Now, obviously, there's a whole host of conversation we can go into about messaging and, you know, about all sorts of brand DNA stuff, which I'm not going to go into because there's many other podcasts that will go into that. But what I want to try and really reiterate here is do not... Just go spend loads of money and not be clear on why you're doing what you're doing. Sometimes I have clients who I will have instigated the idea of, right, we need to do this brand situation. You've got to sort it out. And, you know, whether that's I send them to someone I know or whether um, they, you know, whether they go and find they've got someone else that they've already worked with and they want to work with them. I'm like, cool. I don't get involved that much, to be honest, at that point. So if you could hear my chair there. Um but sometimes they will send me, kind of involve me in the project as it's going. And sometimes, much to uh <laughs> brand and professionals' frustration probably, they will send me something and, and I kind of want to hear what the business owner thinks, because ultimately it's not my business, it's not my brand, right? But they're showing me it because they understand this concept that we've just talked about. And I will say, well, I love it, but it's not right. Or this is, I wouldn't, can we question this? Or can we change this? Or can we ask more into that? And that is really fantastic perspective, right? And I I get that not everyone can have that. But that really helps because it helps, you know, having an outsider to look at it makes such a difference. Yeah. I'm the same in my business. When when you're branding something internally, it is so hard. Yes, you get an external partner to help you actually do it, but when you are you're the one approving it and saying, yeah, cool, let's go for it. I mean, it's really difficult because you're looking at the same thing 25 million times and (laughs) you're kind of listening to what they say and you're trying to take it in and it's it's a hard experience. But what I want to really Drive home here is this idea of brand is very important. Can you scale without a brand? Yes, you can. You can a hundred percent do it. I'm not saying it's the fastest way. I'm not saying it's the best way. I'm not saying it's the best in terms of longevity. I'm not saying it's good if you want to exit and you want to sell rather fast. Um it is not. However, can you scale? and do it. Yes, I have clients who are, you know, at the multi six-figure mark, multi multi like a lot of a lot of money generated and their brand is horrendous or they don't have any brand or it's just complete rubbish. I mean, obviously when we talk about they don't have any brand, every business, if you are operating, does have a brand to some degree because somebody, somebody's like the spokesperson, somebody's talking. Every single little thing you do in your business is part of your brand anyway. But when we're talking about not having a brand, just to clarify, I mean more so of an intentional strategic perspective with a visual identity and a strong kind of makeup of a brand. And Yes, you can get there without that, 100%. Will it co- cause you problems? Yes. And, and as we've mentioned, you know, in terms of building community, brand is so linked to community. And in 2023, I think we've spoken about on the podcast about how community is so key. Community first, you know, scaling is, is a huge trend for this year. And it's not just a trend. It's a It's a real core aspect of a lot of businesses' plans this year. That having the brand in place that really sits well with the community you're trying to build ultimately gels massively, and that will really help your skill and efforts. So, would I say take time to get this right? Yes, definitely. Would I say it's worth investing? Yes, 100%. Would I say that you should get other people's opinions on it? Yes, 100%. Because I've also seen from the sidelines where I'm not their client, like they're not my client. I just mean from the sidelines of businesses who have done the rebrand thing, paid a hell of a lot of money. And they love it, the person, you know, the founder or the, the CEO or the director or whoever loves it, senior leadership love it, And then the consumer hates it. <laughs> or oh, I'm sitting thinking, why did you pick that? Like, it looks worse than it did beforehand. And, you know, that's awful because you never want to think that. I don't ever want to think that. It's, it's not nice. But, you know, if we think that, we think that. And as consumers, me and you, we can do. I'm sure you can think of something in your head where you're like, oh, yeah, they did that. and actually. I don't understand that. And I have definitely seen that, especially with product-based businesses. It's really big on product-based businesses. I see a lot of product-based businesses where I think that is not good or it's not what I would have suggested in the basis of what everything else we know from a brand. So that is my long-winded answer to question one. And I hope that it makes you think about where you are in that context of the things that we've just been Discussing and talking about number two links really nicely. So, number two is a conversation around how can I differentiate my business from other competitors in my market? And this is something that I had a conversation with a client about, and actually, then subsequently, had another one with someone else, and it was, it was an interesting one. So, differentiating your business. From competitors, there is a lot you can do. Brand is one facet of actually how do you do this? And yes, you know, your brand is ultimately the thing that if you are in a really saturated market, can be the difference between it really taking off and then just kind of doing okay. When we think about it from a service based perspective, service for me just comes into it in terms of level of service and delivery. We can talk about all of the visual stuff in the world. We can talk about all the strategic stuff in the world. Ultimately, if you're good at what you do and you provide amazing results, that in itself massively sets you apart. Because for every kind of a thousand people doing what you do, the, you know 99% of them can be absolutely rubbish. Or, you know, if you want to be a bit fairer, you might say 75% of them are complete rubbish. 10% are pretty decent. 10% are amazing, and then you might have a 5% that are absolutely exceptional. Now, you get to decide where you're at with this, and I think that's another thing. It's like, if you're going for this mass volume um, scaling situation that we talked about earlier, as in option one, then are you really going to be aiming to be the exceptional top 5%? I'm not convinced you need to be. You you don't, ultimately. There are a few instances where you do and, you know, that requires a certain amount of strategic planning and a certain amount of, I mean, to be honest, just real grit. And it takes a hell of a lot to make that happen, but it's doable. It's not impossible. But for, for most businesses, you don't need to be exceptional. You need to be really good. Really good and, you know, really good and fantastic. Yes, that will, that's enough. Like, it's more than enough exceptional is is amazing but it's not you don't have to yeah there's plenty we know you can think of loads of businesses right where you're thinking ah yeah it's all right it's fine you still use them you still buy from them because it works it's functional functionality is really important so when we talk about differentiating business and competition I hear a lot of people talking about brand story it's like talk about your brand story that's what makes you different and I really struggle with that one because I'm like Yes, up until a point, but that is only going to appeal to about 25 30% of your potential buyers. Brand story is important. You've got to learn how to say that brand story 10 times over in different ways with the same message. You do have to do that. And if you haven't crafted your brand story in a way that makes sense for you and is easy for you to communicate, then definitely pay for some help with that. Definitely go into that because as you grow and scale, that's really important because it does help. What I don't agree with is this idea that we're just going to talk about a brand story and that's what differentiates us. Because the average Joe doesn't care; they really do not give a shit, and I don't. Right? I, you know, I like hearing about how people start things, but I am not a, This is why I'm a, not a big fan of like this. I shouldn't really say this, but business podcasts where it's just interview after interview after interview. It's like I, to, after a few, you know, if you listen to it for a bit, it's like, right, okay, let's go. Next story. Let's go. Like, it's, it, I'm not saying that it's not interesting, but I'm just saying that you cannot rest your laurels as on your interest in brand story, your brand evolution, like how it all came about. It's like, right, next. What does that mean for your consumer? Because for most people's brand stories, they're not very consumer focused, which obviously if you get a really good brand story crafted and curated, they will help you make it about that and make kind of the customer in amongst all, which is great. Um, But do not just ride on the laurels of like, I've got this cool brand story. So that's going to be the solution to that, because it's not, in my opinion, (laughs) it's part of it. But what really matters is I would say, if you want to differentiate your business from competitors, it's like, how do you introduce community? Even if you are in an industry and a sector that is so not community focused, how can you create community? And that doesn't mean that you have to physically have people in person. doesn't mean you have to have people online in sort of like a, somehow like in a, a platform. There is many other ways that you can introduce community first kind of approaches across your business that will help differentiate from other competitors. The other thing I would say about differentiating your business is about how legit is your brand. So the biggest issue I see is people have this brand and they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is what we do. This is who we are. But then the reality of what that actually is is completely different. So there's this whole like disconnect between we say we're this, but we're actually doing this or, you know, you you expose yourself to something and then it's just not the same as what we've been told. And that there is a key thing of how not to differentiate. So in order to differentiate, you've got to get really clear and go, okay, yes, we want to differentiate. What are we differentiating on? List out all the factors of how, what key factors come into play when a competitor or when a client is coming to buy from you and look at you. And then work out, well, which of those do I want to differentiate on? Because the reality of it is, is you don't need to differentiate on 10 different things. You can do one thing really well, but I tend to say to people, do two or three things quite well. Because that strategically will allow for a bigger picture to be built. And it means that at the point in which someone else differentiates in your market, you've still got kind of, I don't want to say leverage, because you'll never have leverage to the degree that we're talking about, but it will have some kind of flexibility And you want flexibility in your differentiation approach and your differentiation strategy because that is what ultimately will guide you deeper and deeper to your core values as a business and how you convert people based on an idea that they are powerful human beings and they are human beings that can make an informed decision. Because when we talk about differentiation, we're ultimately talking about decision making. You want someone to make a decision to buy from you versus someone else. And that comes down to people connecting on an emotional level, which is why we talk about community. And it is also why we talk deeply about empowering consumers to understand what you do without you having to explain your brand story. Because I do not want to hear your brand story from you. I want to be able to understand it. Now, that does not mean (laughs) that you start trying to like, show your brand story throughout all of your marketing, because you don't have to do that. Like, you could do it. Some businesses that works for. What I mean by that is, does your brand scream what you wanted to say with me just visually looking at it? And this is where the visual thing really matters and really comes in. Because... What often happens is the brand is visually saying one thing, but the story is another. And then what you're currently trying to achieve as a business is another thing. And those are three separate things and they don't gel together and they don't mold. I'm not saying those three things have to be identically the same. I'm just saying there has to be some kind of just like synergy between it all so that it actually fits and it actually feels really like human focused. What has happened a lot with brand in the last few years as it's either gone so human focused that people don't want to connect with it because it's almost no escapism. And, you know, if you study brand, you understand that a lot of people want escapism from a brand, whether that's humor and being funny or whether that's just pure escapism. Or you've got it where people are really kind of not friendly and it's not anywhere human focused and it's very almost robot like, which also doesn't work. So when you start thinking about that and you look and you think, okay, yeah, these two extremes, we want to land somewhere in the middle. And in your brand strategy and position, you will decide how far of each of either side you want to go to. But understanding that differentiation strategy is really about you understanding, I would argue as well, from a longer term perspective, where do we want to go? Where are we taking people on a journey? Because let's face it, you know, what, 70% of brands may be higher and businesses now are in some ways a communications business. They're a publishing company. They put out content. Your marketing strategy is made up of outreach content to publish for people to consume. That in itself needs to really direct your business because that ultimately changes what your brand means. It used to not matter so much because your brand would hold a certain level of expertise and a level of kind of oomph, I would say, that people would just kind of assume. Now that doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't kind of land very well. The best way for you to contextualize that in your head is to go out of your industry and go and look at other people's businesses outside of your industry and see what they are doing. Because you will then start to realise that the vacuum you're in is really skewed. And it's just everybody copying everyone else, so everyone in the same cycle, and everyone doing the same shit. And so get out of that. And there's never been a better time, yeah? Like, look, go on TikTok, look at the crazy stuff that is going on on TikTok with, you know, for businesses and organisations. Like, it is an absolute field out there, but it's fun and it's interesting. Why is that working? Because, well, for a whole host of reasons, but some of it is because it's community based. Some of it is because it's funny. Some of it's entertaining and it's educational. People want that now more than ever. And understanding the balance of that's really key. And I think what happens is when you're selling B2B, people then think your brand has to be really corporate. It doesn't am I saying that it should be really casual no does that work yeah sometimes but I'm just saying don't make it that there's zero personality and that you just look at it and think well I have no clue who's behind that because it's not enticing for us I could talk on differentiation all day long but I wanted to, to talk about it specifically from a brand perspective because I think it's kind of an interesting one and really understanding that your brand is there to support you. It's not there to do all the hard work for you, which I know, again, is controversial, some people will disagree with me. Your brand is like your support of bra. It's like the thing that holds everything up and just kind of pushes it out to the world and says like, hey, this is, this is who we are. Like, this is me. This is us. This is who we are. This is what we do. It says a lot about us. And that is where you've got to get your head around. Do not use it as something to hide behind, which so many people do. And people say, we're going to create this disruptive brand that's then going to sit in an industry where it looks like a real outsider. And that in itself is going to work because we know that that doesn't work. It did work 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but in 2023, that ain't working. And as we go forward, it most certainly is not going to work. People are getting so complex. Consumers are more intelligent and more kind of apprehensive to buy than ever, but they're also more eager for connection than ever. So it's a win-win. It's just, you've got to work that out and strategically balance yourself. And as I say, like all of this conversation today is like, go and speak to people who are professionals, who can help actually create this and make it a real thing. Number three is somebody had said, I feel really disconnected from my brand. It is stopping me from going, so should I rebrand? This is interesting. So, feeling really disconnected from your brand is really normal. A lot of the people that I work with come up with this at some point, whether that's for a short period of time or a long period of time. Brand disconnection is a is a very, you know, normal thing to come across. You're saying here that it's stopping you from growing, which is an interesting one because I always want to delve into that and be like, "Well, is it or is it X, Y, and Z thing?" But let's just go with the idea of maybe it is stopping them from growing. Then the question then comes up of, "Should I rebrand?" Now, here's my thoughts on rebranding. You have got to be really, really careful when you do this, in my opinion, because it can go all sorts of wrong. <laughs> and it ultimately what we're looking at when we talk about rebrand is change management and change management is inevitably an absolute nightmare for most business owners does that mean you shouldn't rebrand no but does it mean that you need to be fully prepared about what's going to happen yes or potentially could happen now when you're looking at a rebrand at the point in which you feel like a rebrand needs to happen is often the point when i argue you don't shouldn't really do a rebrand only based on the fact that the emotional decision making that you take when you're doing this can often be jaded by whatever's going on in your head that makes you feel like you need to rebrand. So what I mean by that is most people who get to a point of like, I need a rebrand, it's like sales aren't coming in or, you know, organizationally things are not right, or actually there's loads of sales coming in, but the team hiring situation's not going well. So everything feels off kilter. Now, I understand that there's never going to be a perfect point for you to decide, let's have a rebrand. I'm not saying that there's going to be one day that everything now, all the ducks are going to be in a row and you're like, yes, this is the perfect time. I'm just suggesting that you get very clear and you're very conscious of the fact that if you feel like you need a rebrand and you've said those words up, it is stopping me from growing, that you can be in a state of lack mentality. You can be a state of not having enough kind of abundance around you. That in itself makes the decision-making process and actually your ability to make strategic decisions can be compromised. Think about a time when in business hasn't felt great before and what have you done? Have you done like most people will have an impulsive habit that they do that they don't realize until someone calls them out on it and then they're like oh yeah I do that when x y and z thing happens when this stressor comes up and that's a really interesting thing to delve into and for you to do some work on yourself to understand okay, Maybe I do need a rebrand and maybe actually I've got no other time. You know, there's no time like the present, as people like to say, like maybe I've got to do it now. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying be really clear on where you're going and understand what you want from it, because what you don't want to happen is that you constantly have to rebrand every year. Now, for some of you, if you are in a really fast growing business, it might be that you do rebrand because of X, Y and Z factor. And, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but I'm not saying nobody should rebrand because every year, because for some of you, like if you are on a real aggressive growth mission, your visual identity may change. Your actual brand strategy, I would argue, wouldn't really change hugely. And your brand DNA and your story, et cetera, like that shouldn't necessarily change that much. But in terms of visually which is part of what the issue with the change management bit connects to, that can obviously sometimes have to to move. And, you know, you look at some of the biggest brands in the world. They change their brands. Like people have a rebrand. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to stick with your brand for the next 10, 20 years. You know, the world is evolving and arguably we have to keep up with that. But I think it's very important to go through a process of understanding why do you want to rebrand? What is the purpose of it? What change do you want to see? And then understand what are you expecting to happen when you rebrand? Often there are wild expectations related to rebrand. And I've had some really interesting conversations with um, clients and and friends in the industry who are, you know, branding professionals and who do this day in and day out with businesses where There is this like underlying expectation, perception, feeling that magically X, Y, and Z things going to come true and be solved from having this rebrand, which they know is unlikely and I know is unlikely. And they're, you know, sometimes trying to expectation manage around that, which is not necessarily their job. But, you know, you have to appreciate their, you know, their willingness to try. So really get clear on okay, is it stopping your brand from growing? And also understand, when you feel like you need a rebrand, is it that you need a rebrand or is it that you need a messaging shift? Now, arguably, obviously, your core structural messaging is is hugely linked to your brand. I'm not saying that it isn't. But what I am saying is that for some people, it's like they don't actually need a visual brand update. It's that they need to shift and pivot how they see themselves as an organisation. This particularly shows up if you are someone who has had a lot of growth Had a couple of years to maybe embed in and just chill and just kind of focus. And then you're kind of like in this no man's land of like, well, are we grown again? Are we not? Are we staying where we are? And sometimes that can kind of feel like there needs to be a rebrand. Also, it's important to note that some of you will want to rebrand because you're bored. I'm just going to say that because that's true. And that's not necessarily a reason to do it. So if you're just bored in your business, rebranding is not necessarily the right situation. Another thing to also think about is often people feel like they need a rebrand at the point in which they have brought other people into the business. So if you're like a one man band or you maybe have like a team of four, but you've then gone from a team to like 30, that can often spark this idea of like, right, we need a rebrand because actually the team isn't reflective of the existing brand. But the team you have is where you want to kind of move things to and again there's no right or wrong with that I'm not sat here saying don't get a rebrand I'm just saying understand your reasoning because most people don't right as to why you want to do this that in itself is going to make the job for whoever you're choosing to hire so much easier if you can give a lot of information and really guide someone on what your thought process is obviously you must be um you must be really open and susceptible and and susceptible. I don't know if that's the right word (laughs) open to taking on the expertise of the person you are hiring. do not just go in guns blazing and like refuse to take any professional information because they are the experts. Yeah. Listen to them. I know that's a real frustration for my, um, you know, for people in my network. It's like this frustration around people not listening to, to their, you know, expert advice, but actually if you can help them, then that, makes a huge difference in terms of telling them what you want what the idea is and and really giving them a backstory so I think there's a few with question three there's a few things to look at but I think when you feel really disconnected from your brand that's an awful feeling and it's hard but I would say like lots of things can happen that is it something in your personal life that's happening that's just causing that to happen and then once that's dealt with it'll change because many people have come to me saying they feel disconnected with their brand but actually in six months time they feel fine and they're like I'm really pleased I didn't do anything drastic but on the other hand obviously sometimes it is stopping you from growing if you've got a really not great visual brand or your brand just doesn't make sense which is what a lot of people have <laughs> it's like a brand that's been put together and you know put together with this thing and that thing and stuck together and had a bit of help and not had a help like that can often be really conflicting and confusing for clients potential clients um so yeah have a think about it but rebrands are amazing and it can it can really help your business and it can really kind of add momentum a bit, I find, as well. Like, it can often really be an uplift for people. Um, but the thing, and I know this is not about a rebrand strategy, so let's not dive into it, but the one thing you really need to look at on that is change management and you need to really look at launch and you need to really understand what are the implications with launch? How do you do it well? How do you build community in every step of the way? That would be my biggest, biggest thing. Like, if you can... Incorporate community into your rebrands. The whole thing's gonna work a hell of a lot better. Do not just one day drop a rebrand that you've been working on behind the scenes for six months or three months or a month and you haven't told people. Tell them when you start, you know, when you're gonna do one, start talking about it. It's gonna make the whole change management process much simpler. We can do a separate podcast episode on um change management and how do you do that well with your community if we need to, because that's a really important topic number four. Oh, this is a good one I've got a lot to say on this <laughs> if you're still with me fantastic hello number four is how do I create a luxury brand that stands out okay so so much to talk on this how do I create a luxury brand that stands out first up I argue and this is really like controversial the best luxury brands the value is not in their visual identity so everybody who's trying to make a, vis- a luxury brand in 2023 focuses on visual identity more than anything else, I'd argue. But for me, as a consumer, that doesn't wash. <laughs> that's that's not the bit that tells me you're a luxury brand. And this is where the biggest disconnect is, in my opinion. You might disagree. That's fine. So what I mean by that is people have the photo shoots and they have the this thing and they have... The amazing collateral, and they have the social looking cool, and they have this website that's all singing and all dancing, and they have all of this stuff, right? But underneath it all is just there's no substance. There's no like oomph. It's just like, oh, okay. And they've basically clagged a load of stuff on and dressed it up, but it's not a luxury brand. And in terms of online business, this is like screaming at the moment. And I'm not, can I just say, this is not me um, being rude to people, like the people as business professionals. Like, they are amazing at what they do. They're fantastic. They can be top of their game, top of their industry. But I'm talking about brand. I'm I'm being critical about brand, right? The brand can be so bad. (laughs) Like, it can look amazing, but the actual message, the actual conversion, the actual connection that people feel and what people take from it from people who look from the outside, can be like, whoa, that is so jarring. And the jarring is the ultimate thing that makes me go, it ain't a luxury brand. Now, outside of online business, it's still an issue. <laughs> it's still an issue. It still kind of is is ever more present. Hotels are a great example where often that really doesn't translate well. Great examples can be like, uh reception areas and hallways can look great and then you get in the bedroom and there's a massive disconnect and you're like whoa this is jarring um and I hate that I hate going in you know for me the tiniest of details matter and so I really struggle with um when that's kind of a real life setting another great another great example about real life is restaurants like it can be really bizarre of terms of like It's, I would argue it's very easy, right, to create a luxury-looking brand in terms of a restaurant setting. Super easy. But then when the napkin comes and the napkin's not right, that's the stuff where people like it's jarring or the communication of the staff isn't aligned to what the brand should be or says it is. It's just hugely jarring. Now, from an online perspective, people's, like pour so much money into the visuals, they pour so much time and effort into it, but then it's just not there the substance thing. And that's the real issue about luxury brand. Because I want, we've got to dispel this myth that if you want to charge a lot of money, you have to be a luxury brand. That is not true. We have to dispel the myth that if you want to build a big business that generates seven figures or eight figures or nine figures, that it's got to be a luxury brand. That isn't true. If you want to go for the eight figures, arguably having a luxury brand is probably not a good idea. But people don't see this because they're not either not being advised correctly or they're just not seeing it. They just don't understand it. They don't understand the connection. So you've really got to understand, like, luxury brand is not something you need to aspire to. You don't have to create a luxury brand. And actually, I think in 2025, which I know we're two years away, there's going to be a real shift into something else, which we're not going to talk about because that's like a different <laughs> a different thing altogether. But in terms of when people talk to me about brand and brand forecasting and what do I see, which obviously is not my round table of expertise, but I do have opinions on it, I see it going in a really different direction in two years' time. Let's talk about 2023 and the luxury brand and the rise of that. You, For me, when we talk about luxury brands and that you create a luxury brand that stands out, it's not about seamlessness, which I think that's another thing. So some people, then you're hearing me say, you know, the visual stuff's not important. Then you might be like, right, well, is it that everything has to be seamless? Well, I argue no, because to me, that's not real life. That doesn't work. Yes, it's nice to have a real clear flow and for things to make sense. However, for me, when we talk about luxury brand, what that comes down to is depth. It's depth, it's understanding, and it's relevancy. Now relevancy can very quickly be a concept that is associated with non-luxury brands and brands that are very fast paced and are very reactive. I argue that you can have relevancy without being reactive and that is the sweet spot. And that is what people do not talk about, it's what people are not getting. And for me, I argue as well that a luxury brand is not reactive, which is going to be controversial because I know people are not going <laughs> to people, people are not going to like that. I do not associate luxury brands with being reactive. That is what the biggest mistake people make, in my opinion, in terms of from a strategic direction and, and a visual. People are reactive. It's like, why are you being reactive if you're a luxury brand? Doesn't make sense. Is not like doesn't make sense at all. And when you look at how when you're building a luxury brand, it's about life cycle. It's about longevity. Now that for people in business is really hard for them to wrap their heads around, especially if you want to build a luxury brand in a start-up business because that in itself is jarring. And so you have to decide where you're making decisions from. So, for example, for for my business, for May James Limited, we have a luxury brand. Is our brand perfect? No. Is there things, do I want to change about it? Yeah. Have we wanted to rebrand multiple times over? Yeah. How many times have we rebranded? Uh twice three times, yeah, we have changed quite a bit. would I like burn it down to the ground and start again in terms of a visual perspective? yeah, but the problem I have is well, that's a whole other issue, but the problem I have is I don't like very many brands, so I am like the I'm a bit of a worse nightmare, like I just don't like brands most like visual identities full stop um so that's a separate conversation i don't I believe that. A luxury brand doesn't have to be perfect. That's not what it is. But yet that's what everyone's clinging on to. Everyone's clinging on to that idea. It's not about that. To stand out, it's about message. So we talk about relevancy, talk about message and non-reactivity. Now, when we talk about message, the message has to be really fine-tuned and in my, and, and that's just my opinion, yeah, you might disagree, but in terms of a luxury brand, the message has to be clear, now again, the message you're delivering doesn't have to be a luxury message, which I know obviously, what do we define as a luxury brand, what do we define as a luxury message, that like is a whole can of worms in itself, but it doesn't have to be that what you're saying your message is, is aimed at a certain person, that's not, that's not related, yeah. And this is where people get very stuck, I believe, because I also think people think that if you're a luxury brand, you have to sell something that's really high ticket. Now, I would be admist to say that, yes, obviously you should do that, but you don't have to do that. You could have a luxury brand that sells something at a mid, potentially low, but like mid-range price point, and that'd be okay, and it work, providing your brand is actually solid in your brand. I know I'm saying brand a lot and sometimes that can be difficult to like contextualize (laughs) but I think it's really important to think about okay how do you when you're looking at how do I create a luxury brand that stands out you've got to understand that message is ultimately what someone's going to take from you and this is why when I say about the visuals and about people having these elaborate photo shoots and they have all this amazing visual stuff the message the message is screaming, right? So someone's got a really solid, say like in the online business space, really solid visual identity. It's screaming a message. But the issue we have is <laughs> the message is screaming is not what the business is or offering or delivers. I would say the number one issue is that it isn't what it delivers. But what some people have got a really strong visual brand, they deliver really well, but then the undertone of the messaging and the secondary messaging doesn't match. So the visuals are same one thing, their kind of verbal messaging is one thing, but they are not connected. And so then it just clashes and clashes heads. And I understand this conversation is quite like, in-depth in terms of what we're talking about, but that's kind of what you get from this podcast. So thinking about when you want to create something that stands out, simplicity. Simplicity in your messaging, simplicity in your brand, simplicity in what you do. Simplicity is sexy and I will shout that from the rooftop for as long as I can because that is what people want. For me, a luxury brand needs simplicity. That doesn't mean it has to look simple, although it can do. It needs to be simple in what you do, how you do it, why you do it and make it really clear. And that will ultimately stand out. Because when you just stand out and are like, this is who we are. And you deliver on that. And all of the different touch points that you, your client or potential client experiences. Adds to that message, you'll be on to a winner. What I actually see happen is that people who are trying to create a luxury brand. Do the complete opposite and try and add Every bell and whistling, every possible thing develop so much like this thing and that thing and add this thing and we will do this as well. It's like, why are you trying too hard? It makes people feel like it's quite like desperate, which is the complete opposite of what you wanted your luxury brand to kind of be. The other thing to think about when you're thinking about how do we stand out as a luxury brand is how do you make the people who you interact with the heroes in their in their story so that means your business whether that's you your team you know your senior leadership team your customers your stakeholders your shareholders think about the people in your business make those really desirable people now that does not mean i'm saying Plaster them all over your social. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying like start creating amazing stories around them. What I'm saying is how do you interact as a collective? The collective interaction and the collective kind of morality is what will bring a huge amount of depth to your brand. And what I talked about before about depth is really key. If, If you have depth plus simplicity, you get a really beautiful outcome. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, well, simplicity and depth don't really go together. They do. I'm saying instead of focusing on loads of different things, focus on something really clear with a clear message and then pull through depth and pull through what does that mean. This podcast is a great example. This episode. It's like we could just talk about like one question and I could just say like a really basic answer. and That would be fine. Nothing wrong with that. I've chosen to go, it's a quite a long episode, and, and we go into depth. And again, we're still not covering everything. And I'm not saying that episode's perfect. I'm not saying that I'm being as articulate as would be, you know, preferred or desired. But what I am saying is that depth is a key indicator for me to luxury. And visually, that doesn't mean something has to then be black and white and look like everybody else and have X, Y, and Z thing. Luxury branding is depth with understanding and intelligence. And intelligence is the final word I'm going to leave you on for this question, because that kind of is another aspect that we've got to look at. So, intelligent brands are the future. Intelligent brands are the key piece of the pie in terms of how do you balance not, if I'm saying not being reactive, to then staying relevant and for me the intelligent part comes into it people want to be around intelligent thinkers we are in an economy now of people who trade information and they trade education and we seek to be educated and inspired at the same time and we seek to be educated and (laughs) educated entertained so many so many e's going on you know educated and entertained in the same breath that is done successfully via strategically intelligent conversations and decisions made and that is a key differentiating factor between a luxury brand and one that isn't now am i saying that if you're not a luxury brand you're not intelligent no But what I'm saying is, is that you can then utilise your strong visual identity and pair that with the intelligence piece. That is where luxury branding from a visual perspective works really well. What doesn't work is if they're just separate and it's just muddled and it's just noise. We don't want noise. We want clarity. We want intelligence. We want simplicity. We want depth. consistency that is where the real power comes from the luxury brand conversation but again going back to my initial thoughts on this get really clear on why do you want to be a luxury brand do you need to be a luxury brand does it make sense for you to be does that fit in your business model because it's a decision to be a luxury brand and there is a hell of a lot you often have to sacrifice in order to do it. Like, in terms of me and my business, are we the most luxury brand? No, that's not our aim. But are we a luxury brand? Yes. But does that come at a cost? 100%. I would say it's dramatically. It, it's to a point of which it had been problematic at times, if I'm being really honest. <laughs> like, from a time perspective, from a money perspective, from an energetic perspective... From an operational efficiency perspective, there is so much stuff which is really inconvenient about it, to be quite honest. And that's fine because I chose that and I uh, feel really strongly about that and it really works well. But you have to be aware that that is a choice and you need to pull luxury brands off a pedestal because that is not, they are not better than a different brand. Absolutely not. And this desire and aspiration of I've got to be a luxury brand is often hurting businesses, is causing issues, is stopping them from growing. The other thing I would say and mention here is, right, you, if you're a startup or you're in your first three years or five years or maybe you're kind of 10 years even and you have a desire for the business to be around in 20, 30 years time, you can develop into a luxury brand. Is it the best thing to do? That's open for discussion, right? But you do not have to start off as a luxury brand in the first place at all. There is a lot of transition can happen and a lot of maturity. And when we look at brand maturity, the idea of building a a luxury brand is so linked. yeah. So don't feel like it has to be intentional from the start. If you're clear on that, then obviously, yes, great. If that's part of your USP and as part of you as a business, then definitely go there. But if it's not, don't feel like there's a rush because you can shift that. Yes, it's going to take some work. Yes, it will require a rebrand potentially. Yes, it's going to be a process of a number of months or years, but you don't have to get to that point immediately because remember, the amount of effort it takes For simplicity, is sometimes three times the amount than it is to to not do that or to do something alternative. And there's no reason why you have to do that from the off. Right, I'm gonna stop talking about that because I can talk again forever and ever. Um, I hope you're enjoying this podcast episode. I know this is a bit different. Some of you will have switched off by now, but if you're interested in this then great. I'm glad you're here. Number five is the final question on this. And we are talking about, uh, I wanted to include this in here because it's a really interesting one. Someone put, I'm struggling to recruit help in exclamation marks. <laughs> it's like, help, please help. Um, you're struggling to recruit for your business, right? So let's go through this. Recruitment in 2023 is potentially hardest that it's been in a long, long time. Getting amazing talent is difficult largely for most people. Your brand is so key in this and your brand can be a massive solution in making this work is there a whole other strategy that you need to do aside from the brand stuff? Yes. So if you are someone who's in this position and you're struggling to recruit and all of your scaling is kind of being weighed down and is slowing down because of you can't get access to the level of team members or the volume of team or the expertise that you need, then that is a different, you know, we need to have a conversation around that. You can come and do a strategy intensive with me. Um, We can create a strategy around that and create a plan. You might want to come work with me for six months if it's actually that you're really scaling and you want to, create something that is like long long term well we can create a hiring strategy a team strategy a development strategy that's gonna really work and then we can execute it together which is what I help clients to do that is like a whole thing in itself I'm just gonna talk about the brand perspective of this part because we're talking about brand today so when in this kind of market we're in brand is ultimately why people are going to businesses now It's not because of the brand, but it's because of what the brand stands for and it's about why. So what I have been saying to clients for the last two years is that you need to market your business to your potential employees. It is a marketing exercise and it's a sales exercise. You're essentially selling the job role to the person who's potentially going to work for you. That's what you've got to look at it as. So build a marketing campaign around what you're trying to do, i.e. recruitment. Now, that will then massively be kind of influenced by your brand. Now, it doesn't necessarily need to be your brand identity in terms of visually. It's about what do you stand for? What do you do? How do you do it? The how do you do it part's really key. Yes, the money is huge and yes, the salary thing is, you know, ultimately people move for money. People don't only move for money and people since the pandemic, have been going at a rapid rate of moving away from money being the differentiating factor and actually for everything else to be, i.e. work culture. That comes out to your brand. Your brand and your culture are so linked. So work on your brand, that'll impact your culture. Vice versa, work it out what that means. Understanding that how you work, flexible work and, you know, all, I'm not going to go into all the bits and pieces, but what do you offer people? That is your brand just moving on from a consumer perspective, how you let your employees work or your team work will impact whether or not certain people buy from you. You having really successful recruitment campaigns is so huge in the kind of development of making things like recruitment easier. So your brand really does stand a huge stead in this and understanding what you stand for and what you are presenting to the world as saying hey come and work here because we are x y and z thing this is why before we are talking about luxury brand doesn't work if it's not cohesive and if it's like your visual looks like something but when people are looking at your job description they don't match that's a key one that screams out make sure your job descriptions match your brand, makes sense I don't mean visually although that can be important I'm talking about the language used what you're asking people to do what your compensation package is, does that align with who you are as a business and who you are as a brand? And if it doesn't, then you're going to really struggle with recruitment. But the power of the brand, like for some clients who are scaling um, this year that I have, who I'm working with one on one, this is a massive thing for us this year. Their brand is why people will come and work with them team is their biggest issue in terms of scaling how are we navigating that a lot of it is around their brand brand development brand kind of evolution and looking at how do we further incentivize people to come and work for the business and we do that through having a really strong brand identity both strategically and visually and that is like a really key point that people are not grasping onto and i would say competitors are still slow on in a lot of industries So a lot of industries have not yet, like they know of it, but they're not taking it seriously enough so that people aren't really acting on it. You really like if you want someone to come and work for you, think about who do they want to work for as a business? What do they want to say to their family or friends when they're like, oh, I've got a new job. I'm going to work with this person. Oh, what do they do when they talk about them? People don't tend to talk about, oh, they do this thing, as in they they make this solution, they fix computers, they provide social media services. They will say, oh, it's a really cool brand and we support X type of person to do this and we do it in this way. That's your brand message from an employee perspective. And that really matters and is really important. So I'm gonna leave you on that. Those are my thoughts. We could be here forever. (laughs) What a fun conversation. Yeah, there's there's so much of brand we could talk about and there was 10 questions And actually I was like, let's just do five because it might get a bit long and I'm not sure how interested you all are in brand evolution and strategic positioning, but it's a really important conversation and it's something that when I'm working with people one-on-one through one-on-one consultant or they come and see me for a CEO strategy day, we dive into because your brand is so key in terms of your strategic development and it is not you know it isn't like what other people in the past have kind of alluded to of the fact that it's separate it's not separate it's so interlinked with what you do as a business and as a collective and that's really important I will speak to you next week take care have a good one and I'll see you then bye thanks for listening to the honest business podcast if you enjoyed today's episode make sure that you are subscribed and if you'd like to support the podcast please share it with others and leave a rating and review to catch up with all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at may.james underscore, where I share the raw, uncut, behind-the-scenes reality of what running multiple businesses every day truly looks like. As always, links and any resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes below. That's all for this episode, and I look forward to seeing you next time.